This is an ABC podcast. Can you be more Pacific? On ABC Radio Australia. And welcome to Can You Be More Pacific? I'm Dan Hullitow, and this week I'm joined by the one and only King Chero, Kennedy Cherrington. Hello, everyone. Thanks for having me. Kia ora to all the whanau listening on air tonight. Really excited to fill in for Sarah as she's fulfilling her Wallaroos duties in Canberra at the moment. Yes, happy PNG Independence Day to those of you in Papua New Guinea. Kennedy, welcome back to the show. It's great to have you. How's your week been? Thank you, Dean. Um, my week has been up and down, um, a bit tough at the start. You know, coming off our um, loss on the weekend and then trying to get back into things is pretty hard. But it's actually been a good week. A um, few big things that we're going to talk about later that it's coming up in the next hour. But um, how about you? Week's been good. I actually got, I mentioned last week to Sarah that I was going away with my wife for a couple of nights and we had um, a bit of downtime, which was good, but I managed to sneak in some rugby league while we were away. We went out for dinner on Saturday night and I put uh, my phone up on the table at dinner and watched the footy. But my wife wanted to watch it with me, so that was all right. Um, aside from that, it's like finals time, so really excited. And the week of finals, which we'll get into, was uh, unbelievable. It was good to watch the NRL finals. NRLW had like the closest round ever. So it was – I can see you're rolling your eyes because <laughs> I, I don't want to bring it up, but yeah. So what have we got coming up the next hour, Kennedy? Uh, coming up the next hour, we take a look back at the weekend in sport. Uh, we chat with Mua Lalofi, who's – been on the um, show two times previously, so excited to chat to her for the first time. And we have a new question for you. You can ask that. But first, our top story, uh, we're going to the Rugby Sevens. The Rugby Sevens World Cup took place on the weekend. And one of the positive stories that came out of that was the Aussie women's, um, they seen that the Madagascar, or they'd heard that the Madagascar Sevens team, the women's team, only had one set of jerseys. So they'd had to pay their own way over to the tournament. Um, obviously a big cost in doing that. They only managed to have one set of jerseys, which they were both training in and playing in. Uh, so there's a, there's a post up on Instagram, uh, which we, I thought, which we thought was really nice. It's on the um, Aussie Sevens um, Instagram page. The uh, It's a nice video piece of the Aussie Sevens women's presenting their um, alternate jerseys to the Madagascar team to use as training jerseys. Now, it's a really beautiful post. Uh, I love seeing all the posts, especially internationally, especially what Aussie Sevens do for the communities. They they go out of their way to help, you know, the teams that aren't so fortunate with funding and everything like that. So, um, yeah, I've seen Charlotte getting, uh, you know, presenting the jerseys and, you know, those girls would be looking up to Aussie Sevens as like the pinnacle of the sport and, I just feel so much more motivated to, you know, get my country off the ground. And, you know, that's, that's like a point in time. It's a, one of those, you know, things that you think about forever, those type of yeah. presentations. Yeah, very much so. And it's, um, it was wonderful to see. Now, you've got to say, talking about the, the World Sevens, it might have rubbed off with a bit of good karma for the Aussie Sevens because they ended up going on to win uh, the women's comp. They defeated New Zealand 24-22 in the championship final. Uh New Zealand being the defending champs was a pretty good result for the Aussie. Yeah, they've girls. been lethal. Um, it's so good to see the Australian um, and Australia final because at times it's usually Australia gets kicked out in the comp or and then they meet with someone else in New Zealand. Same thing with New Zealand, but the game was awesome. 24-22, championship final, everything you want in a game and it brought the energy. High-scoring high game, uh, 24-22 in a sevens final. Usually it's a bit lower, but Australia just looked so much more connected on the field, fast, just unstoppable. They were always going to win the tournament in my eyes. It's been a big year for the Aussie Women's Sevens, so well done to them on winning the uh, the Women's World Cup Sevens. Now, the Fijian men won the uh, uh, men's competition against New Zealand. Again, the defending champions in the men's um, competition. Uh, they won that game 29-12. to 12. Really good result. And Jerry Tuwai, their skipper, had this to say. Uh, it's been a long time coming. And, uh, yeah, I'm really thankful you know, for Fiji Rugby for believing in me and... Mr. Ben Golling for believing in uh, uh, some say it's uh, old men, old. <laughs> some say them too old to play, but I'm really thankful that uh, coach and assistant coach and the men's men uh, believe in what uh, I can do with uh, with my brothers. Pretty awesome to hear that from Jerry. And uh, what a result, 29-12. A lot of points scored by the Fijians. Yeah, Jerry Tawai is the GOAT. I actually um, have spoken to him in real life. Yeah. He's he doesn't even look old, like, you know, saying people's too old to play. Age is not a number. Just, he can play. He's, he's actually the GOAT. Like, so humble and hard to stop on the field. Have you seen him? You just can't give him inch of space. He's crazy. Fast, strong, 
uh, yeah, well done to Fiji in that game. Samoa in the men's finished eighth, and Tonga ended up finishing 20th. So um, all happening in the world of rugby. Let's move over to NFL. I want to mention NFL. I know not, not, no one in this studio at the moment knows where I'm coming from, but the NFL returned uh, last weekend. It was uh, week one of the season, and the, it started with the Thursday night football. The Bills took on the Rams in the Super Bowl rematch. The Bills far too strongly by Josh Allen, their quarterback, 31 points to 10. Uh, it was a bit of a surprise. I think everyone was expecting a bit of a closer game, but um, yeah, Josh Allen flexing a bit of muscle there and showing the Bills that are they are going to be uh, contenders this year again as they get towards the um, the Super Bowl or the, the point end of the year. But a lot of excitement for me around the office. I, I've uh, I was mentioned to you off air, Kennedy. I um, didn't really follow NFL about three or four years ago, but then a bunch of guys in the office play Fantasy League, which I've spoken about a number of times in the show to Sarah and uh, Nelly's um, disappointment. They don't like hearing about it. But um, yeah, I'm in like five Fantasy Leagues this year. You know what? I'm going to make the effort to learn the rules just because you need and I feel like I can conversate this next time. So I'm going to learn. I'm going to maybe watch some highlights, maybe not the game. But yeah, five how many fantasies again? I'm in five fantasy leagues. I won five. all five this week. So wow. that's never happened for me before. I've Go gone, up, you. gone up one from last year. Congratulations. Four. Thank you. Yeah. It means nothing, but. Um, <laughs> it's knowing that you. It's called fantasy yeah. league. <laughs> you know the sport and it gives you that. Yeah. Well, I don't really know the sport that well compared to some of the people I'm in those leagues with, but I'll take the victory. So I'll be updating as the season rolls on. Thank you. I'm keen to hear it. You've got to pick a team. That's how you get involved. Pick a oh, team. I know that's the 49ers. Important. The 40 of San Francisco. There you go. That's your yeah, team. That's, yeah, okay. that's that's the only one that I've, I don't know, just, yeah, 49ers. <laughs> 49ers fan. We'll Wait, go so with who that. do you go for? Uh, Green Bay Packers is my team. Oh, yeah. I've seen, yeah. see, I don't they know. Got, they I got, got the, smashed on the weekend, so. Yeah. I don't know the NFL teams from like College Kings with the hats. Like, <laughs> like literally, that's all like, the branded stuff. Well, from, it's, it's funny, like American sports, right? People wear this stuff around everywhere and probably, and probably wouldn't know have players no in, in each team. Anyway, that's another story. On to the AFLW and round three, which was Indigenous round, uh, happened over the weekend. The Brisbane Lions took on the Gold Coast Suns and they got up a huge score, uh, 12-10-82 to 1-3, the nine, the Gold Coast Suns. So disappointing there for the Gold Coast Suns. Jesse Wardlaw kicked four goals on fire, as was Zimmy Farquharson. She kicked two goals. A big result there for the Lions. And, um, you know, I'd say that they would have come off that game feeling pretty fresh. Yeah, 100%. And it's a bit of a... Queensland rivalry there too, so probably a disappointing uh, game for the Gold Coast Suns, but Brisbane Lions have been off five in the men's and the women's, actually. The the, the women's will be looking forward to uh, maybe getting um, the flag this year. Now, Carlton Blues, uh, you mentioned uh, Moa Lolofi, who we'll speak to later in the show. They had a draw, which I believe is the first draw this season, uh, 4-3-27 to 4-3-27, um, a bit of a nail-biter. This this match seesaw that went, uh, one quarter was Carlton Blues, second quarter was Port Adelaide, third quarter a bit mixed, and then the last one was just a, a bit of an arm wrestle, no one could get a goal. So it was a pretty entertaining match and, and very tight. We'll hear from Moa on that one. NRL round four, there was a few exciting games. Um, obviously my game didn't go the way I wanted it. So Titans versus Eels. Titans got their first ever win against us, 18-16. And obviously, yeah, not the result that my team wanted, Dean. How do you feel about that? Yeah, well, they got off to a pretty quick start, didn't they, the Titans? You came back at them, but... Yeah, second half they didn't score and it was just, we were our own against... And we were... We were our own worst enemies. Anyways, moving on. Broncos-Dragons <laughs> game was very exciting. I watched it from the change rooms. 18-19. Uh, I think this was the first drop goal this season. Yes, the Dragons, um, who, who played in that last year's premiership um, match, obviously have had a, a decent season. And all their games have been really tight. They're, they're fairly competitive. Um, but what a result. 19 points to 18. And... Rachel Pearson kicked the field goal in Golden Point. Ali Brigginshaw had a crack, missed it. Uh, it was just before full-time she had a crack. Yep. And then, um, yeah, Rachel Pearson, who has a great boot, slotted this one. It comes right to Keely Davis. Knocked to the ground, centre field, 20 metres out. Still a few tackles left. Comes to Pearson. Shot at field goal, 25 out. Oh. She strikes it, likes it, kicks it, wins it, Rachel Pearson. First ever Golden Point match in NRLW history. Yeah, that's one for the books, definitely. Um, the Roosters-Knights game was another close game, 18-16, so also the same score as my game. Um, the Roosters got up just, I think, just before the last five minutes they scored their last try. Roosters tries Jasmine Strain, Pani Hopawadi and Isabel Kelly, and Isabel Kelly just dominating again in that game. She just took full control. Uh, Knights, did sh- they were, Knights were actually up, um, I'm pretty sure, the whole game, and there was one... A little error 
and then Isabel Kelly just sweeps it up and goes through and scores a full field try. Yeah, she showed some uh, pace to get in the backfield there and, and run away with it. The Roosters, they are being led around by Racy McGregor, who's having a wow of a season. She's just got the ball on a string when she kicks. She's throwing some really nice passes, and uh, they did well to fight their way back and win that game. And it's so good to see, um, you know, household name, the Hopawati, uh, the you know, the female version in the NRLW game score a try and it went like this. Tackle nine metres in Knights territory. Brill goes to the left to Racine McGregor. Show and go. Got straight past Johnston. She's to the 20. Turns it back on the inside. Racing away is Hopawati. And she's over to score just like that. The Roosters lead 8-0. And there's the try scored by Pani Hopawati. I love it when Ford score tries. It makes my day. Yes, Ford scoring tries is great. Now, you've got a chance this weekend to, um, to still make the finals. You, if you beat the Broncos by six points, yep. the Titans lose, you're in the finals. Yeah, so Titans got to lose to Roosters, and then we've got to win by six, and then it's still doable. 100%. It is very doable. Apparently, if we had won the last two games, we'd still be in the same position because of how the draw has worked out. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's just, you know, having confidence on the back of a win is different. And you're up first on Sunday, right, up in the Central Coast? Yes, I will be uh, against the Broncos, and then I shall be commentating with the King himself, Andrew Moore, uh, for the third game. Look forward to hearing you go around on the airwaves. Now, NRL was in finals week one, which was a cracking um, week one of finals. Every matchup was probably the one you wanted for week one of the finals. The Panthers kicked things off against the Eels, 27 points to eight. The Panthers flexed their muscle, but it was a very tight game in spite of the scoreline at the end. Nathan Cleary being back was a huge difference for them. Yeah, I remember seeing something on 360, and they said that Nathan Cleary, you know, he hasn't been out with injury. He's been training this whole time. So him coming back to the game, he's fitter, faster, and he's probably, you know, he's, he's been getting that gameplay, not like he's been sitting on the sideline doing rehab. So he came back. With a bang, like, honestly, I've never seen Cleary in that form. Yeah, he, he's like a fearless seven. Like, he's so physical. That's one thing that probably people, they, they recognize it, but he's a very physical number seven. He's also very skillful, no doubt. Now, Brian Toll, their winger, he is a beast. He managed to cross the line twice, and this is how his second went. Now, Cleary, first receiver, plays it out the back. Crying to Toll. Look out. Toll from the goal line. He's over. He slams it down, despite the presence of Gutherson, Brown, and one other. He got that down, Tall. He's got a final double. You know, it's not easy being a finisher like Tall. He has to work hard for these tries. You know, you look at some of his highlights and he's he's getting rid of three, four defenders getting over that line. So pure want and determination. I love seeing his tries. Yeah, it's a good way to sum him up. Now, down in Melbourne, you were down there for this one. The Raiders took on the Storm, 28 points to 20 to the Raiders. Uh, they have they have it over the Storm at the moment and it was a pretty good performance down there. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I love seeing Storm get kicked out because I love seeing the underdogs. <laughs> I love seeing the underdogs come through. You know, Raiders were never the favourites to win the game. Storm, you know, have been had an up and down season. But Storm in, in finals is different. Um, and Raiders were just on their game. And I love this team try that was scored by Matt Tumoko. And this is how it goes. 14 short of halfway. Played to Wolford. It goes centre field left to Tarp. And he steps into Karma Kamitha. Then he got the offload to Whiten. He's over halfway past Grant. Pass knocked down by Meany. Six to go. Savage goes right to Timakor. A race between him and Munster. He beats him. He's over. He scores. That is incredible. What a try by Canberra. That could be their best of the year. Well, wow. the, the other one thing with the Raiders, their forward pack is so good. Like Unquestionably, their forward pack is their strength. But their outside backs like Mac Tamoko and also Jordan Rapina, uh, Sebastian Chris, guys that probably don't get the raps as often, are doing a really good job at the moment. Yes, yeah, definitely that Polynesian blood. It's definitely in there. That Raiders side is, is cruising and I feel like they're going to be the smoky ones to go through. Good tip. I like that. Now, the Cowboys went down to uh, Shark Park on Saturday night for the late match and they managed to sneak home in a absolute thriller, 32 points to 30. This was a cracking game. It was. It was anyone's game right up until the last 40 seconds, you know. Uh, Sharks were up and then 40 seconds to go, Cowboys score and then they end up going to Golden Point and extra time. Yeah, the extra time. So this is the first time we've seen an extra time in a while. Uh, they actually had to play, is it five? Five and five. Five minutes? Five and five. So they played five and five in extra time and then they went into Golden Point. That was that was all tied up. And the one that done it, Val Holmes, he's, he's won so many games off clutch kicks and this one was a special one. Robson won out to Tamalolo. Get out of my way as he charges up to the 30. Last play called by the ref. 31 out. The pass goes back for Holmes. One-point attempt, make it a two-point attempt from 45 out. 
He has kicked the field goal and North Queensland is going to the preliminary final. I don't think you can sum it up better than that commentary. That was unreal. And people did originally think it was one point, but he was 45 metres out and the rule is 45 metres out or 40 plus metres out is two points. It's The, the kick still look, looked like it was going up as it went through the post. He smashed it. It was a great kick by Val Holmes. Great call. Quinton Hole there at, uh, at Shark Park. There's one player in the match I want to highlight. Jason Dumalolo, the pass that he threw to his right. I don't know if you remember this one, but Peter Hicku scored a try and the pass came from um, Dumalolo and it was like a 30 meter left to right pass from the center of the field all the way out absolutely done um it's uh Sir in because he was watching the ball Pete Hicku catches it and he just takes off around the outside it was a brilliant pass great game really entertaining like attacking footy which I loved look forward to seeing the Cowboys back up at home in the, the qualifier in a few weeks now the last match of the round this made a lot of headlines the South Sydney Rabbitohs up against the Roosters at the SFS, and uh, yeah, the Rabbitohs, 30 points to 14. Yeah, this one was crazy. From the get-go, it just felt like origin. But it's one of the greatest uh, rivalries of all time. You know, it's the, the Battle of the East, South versus Roosters, and I, I, I love the game entertainment-wise, but I think when you're looking at, you know, HIAs and rules and stuff like that, yeah, it's probably not the way you want. I listened to um, Trent Robinson after the match. He was pretty... Um, I guess diplomatic in the way that the game was refereed and all the sin bins and all that sort of stuff. He, he, he actually supported the way that they handled it, the referees. Um, he said that the game descended into what wasn't footy with like head highs and the argy-bargy and all that sort of stuff. But um, he said that his team didn't handle it very well, that South did better. And it was, I, th- I thought, a pretty mature – well, he's a good guy, Trent Robinson, but a pretty um, – yeah, reasonable way to look at things after the match. Um, but of course, Alex Johnson, who played it the week before in the opener, hadn't scored a try at the new SFS yet. He was bound to do it eventually, and he got two. 20 metres out. Good quick play. The ball to Cook. Flat ball left away to Murray centre field. Then away to Cody Walker. Delayed cutout pass. Away to Alex Johnson. He's over in the corner. He gets a double. It's, it's his 30th of the year. That's 30 tries in 30 games, I'm pretty sure. He's a freak, Alex Johnston, and he's so unassuming. Like, he just goes about his business, gets it done, scores tries like he's showing peas. Uh, well done, Alex Johnston. Don't forget, you can hear every game live on Radio Australia. Talanoa time on Can You Be More Pacific? Joining us this week on Talanoa Time, we're very lucky to be joined by uh, Mua Lolawifi. She has joined us previously on a couple of occasions. She's uh, a defender with the Carlton Blues and the AFLW, and she's joined us to talk about all things AFL again. Mua, thanks for joining us on uh, Can You Be More Pacific? Yeah, love to be here, guys. Um, I always love joining you guys. I guess, firstly, can you give us a bit of a, um, a wrap on how the season is traveling so far for you at the, at the Blues? Yeah, we're um, so into going into round four. So we've pretty much got the trifecta. We've lost the first round, won the second round, and then drew the third round. So hopefully we smash the next round. Um, but at the moment, we're, um, we're getting there as a squad. I think um, over the expansion, we lost a lot of talent um, in our core group. But um, I think in a draft, we gained some really athletic young talent and also some mature talent. So um, at the moment, just trying to gel together and um, and the only way to do that is play more games. So um, we're, we're on the, the verge of hopefully breaking a few games um, and in terms of trying to get more than, I, I guess, win by more than one point. So, um, yeah, it's, um, it's looking good. I'm, I'm really excited about the group that we've got. So, um, yeah, we're building something pretty special. That's yeah. so cool with the trifecta, you know, the loss, the win, the draw. It's like the first thing you want. Uh, it's pretty cool. Um, how, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty random. How was, how you know, with the NRLW season also being played at the start of the year and the AFL season, like having two seasons in one year is pretty crazy. How was the turnaround from playing the first season at the start of the year till now? Like how has it been for you guys? Um, For us? The I think it suits the mature bodies. Um, I, I don't think we like a lot of um, rest just because once we rest, we kind of just fully rest. Um, so I, I think we kind of knew that um, the season was going to come like come forward. So throughout that break, we had to 
maintain fitness. So couldn't go too crazy, couldn't blow up and eat, you know, like the the cultural foods that I would love to eat a lot of. Um, so, yeah, but in terms of um, skills, um, it's been really good. Like, like I said, like you just maintain it. Um, the club was really good in for us to access a lot of coaches throughout that break too. So, um, so we're pretty lucky in, in, in that aspect of um, having access to coaches, um, facilities, um, but it would be challenging for our young kids just because they had school as well. Um, and also those that work full time, um, having to juggle the two. And, and now I think take a few, um, I think take time off from their full time work. So um, there's pros and there's definitely cons to um, two seasons in, um, in one year. Well, you mentioned a couple of times about being a, like a mature player or a veteran or a senior player. I don't know if you should class yourself that, but do you feel like you're a bit of a leader? How are you going? You mentioned also drafting some some young talent. Um, are you taking on one of those leadership roles? Um, not not with the title. I think um, I think I've just naturally just not yelled, but like um, <laughs> kind of gave my advice to to a few um, young ones that have come through. And um, and I guess for us older um, players, we don't really need a lot or, or a title to be leaders. I think what we do on the field, um, especially in footy, you've got lines. Um, and uh, if you don't have a, like a, a leader in there, you kind of have to step up and um, and show your experience and, um, and nurture those young kids that are coming through and because at the end of the day you're going to need to rely on on everyone on the list to um to pull through and to play their roles so yeah naturally I think um I think I've kind of used my experience in a way to um to show leadership so yeah, that's awesome. Well, I completely agree. You know, actions for me speak louder than words. Uh, title is just uh, a captain is just a title, and leadership is just a title. It's how you act on the field, and everyone else is going to follow. Um, yeah, hundred percent. I'm pretty excited for you guys. You know, you've got the full eighteen. Is it eighteen? Eighteen. Uh, you know, your yeah. every men's team with every women's team is so awesome. And for me, which of the expansion teams are you most excited to play? Um, well, we already played one, so that was Essendon, who we lost the um, who we lost our I guess our top player too. Um, so we got the win, which was great. Um, so, and we just played Port Adelaide. So the only teams of the expansion we don't play is uh, Sydney and uh, Hawthorne, just because uh, we're still in that 10 week. So playing 10 teams. So at the moment, still not playing the 18. Um, but yeah, so those are the, well, Essendon was the exciting one that we were um, excited to play against. So. Well, what about the the game on the weekend against Port Adelaide? A, a twenty seven all draw. Uh, Heart your mouth staff. Just just watching uh, through that game. The, the first quarter was uh, all you guys, and the next quarter was all them, and it was really back and forth. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it just showed our inexperience throughout the the, the two lines, um, especially with us um, when when teams start to, I, I guess, run over or get a couple of goals, we kind of fold fold back into our showers. Um, but and then we, I, I think we did really well in the second half to, to come together as a group and, um, and go again and then settle it. And then we had our chances towards the back end, but um, a draw is better than a loss, I guess. So, yeah, we'll take the two points. Um, yeah. You mentioned chances. You had one late. You had you snapped one. You thought you were going to go through straight through the middle, but you oh, bro, I you was kicked shattered. it so hard. <laughs> I was absolutely shattered. Um, I thought it went in, and then I saw the post move, and I was like, oh. It'll come. Sis. <laughs> it, was, it'll, it was close. It it'll so come, close. sis. I still haven't scored my first try either, so it's all right. Honestly, it'll it's come. Coming. I can yeah. feel it. I can feel it. Um, no, but I. Um, I realised I, I saved us just because we didn't get a loss. We got a point. So um, that Equ- drew it. The equaliser, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, don't worry. It's, yeah. <laughs> I'll be watching. I'll be like, oh, I'll back her if I get a goal. But um, <laughs> with the expansion happening for you guys, it's so exciting. Um, what is the next step you'd like to see the AFLW take? You know, is there anything else you want to see in the you know next two years? Oh, yeah. Um, I guess 
for the like AFLW and and also the NRLW, I think um, more games would would help. Um, and and that just means people just have to invest in it. So um, I would love to see a a team play one team, uh, play every team once, um, and then a final series. So I think it's getting there. Um, but at the moment, it's just um, well, slowly building. So yeah. definitely, we'll love more games just because. I think, you know, when you lose the first couple, you're just in that mindset of, oh, crap, I, we've got to win. Just because um, if you want to make finals, you've got to start raking up wins like round one. So, um, And when a team hasn't really gelled or hasn't played a lot of games together, it is a little challenging. So definitely would love to play a full season in terms of um, – 18 teams and so 18 games. Yeah, don't worry. I feel you on that one. You don't see a true potential of a team in four weeks. No, you don't. No. You probably just start to settle in together. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah, definitely know how you feel. Well, it is week four uh, this week. You're going over, as you mentioned, to, to Fremantle to take on Frio. What are you expecting from them? Um, well, they're actually pretty, um, I guess, the same as us in terms of their list losing a couple of experienced players um, and also they've got some young talent who um, are looking likely to, uh, I guess, um, on the rise, if that's what they say. Um, but, yeah, so I think we'll go in um, expecting a really physical game. Frio's always been a um, high-tackle uh, pressure team um, with um, Bowers leading the way and, um, and they've also still got some pretty quality talent. So um, we're just going to, you know, trust our process and um, and finish off the week strong and then hopefully um, get to Perth and have a bit of sunshine and um, and have a good game. Well, our fingers are crossed that you uh, get the result that you're after. Moa, <laughs> thanks once again for, for joining us on the show. Before we let you go, we're going to go through um, our tip on again, which you've played a couple of times. We'll have a few different questions, but are uh, you up for it? Yeah, yeah, I'm keen. All right, the clock is on. What have you been reading, watching, or listening to lately? Uh, Princess Diaries and Vampire Diaries. Nice. Uh, conditioning or weights? Uh, weights. Who is your celebrity crush? Um, oh, Sandra Bullock. What was the worst job you've ever had? Uh, picking blueberries. What would be the title? <laughs> what would be the title of your uh, autobiography? What is that? Like a story of a your book? life. Yeah, a book of your life. What would be your... Oh, um, The Life of Moa. What's your favourite drink? Uh, CC and dry. Oh, as in like water. No, no, that's it. Locked in. <laughs> CC and dry. <laughs> when, when are you most productive? Um, from 10.30am to 3pm. What was your worst subject at school? Math. Uh, what scares you? Spiders. Have you ever been in love? Yes. Uh, sunrise or sunset? Uh, sunset. Uh, thongs? Sorry, jandals or slides? Jandals. Nice one to finish on. Moa, thanks again for joining us on the show. You crushed that uh, Ooh, like you, you always it. do. Uh, it's yes. Good luck this week against Frio. Uh, we'll be watching closely and uh, we'll speak to you again soon, no doubt. You're my favourite NRW hey. player now. Oh. <laughs> AFLW. Cause... You're my favourite with Brooke. <laughs> um, no, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. I always love coming on the show and uh, speaking to you guys and catching up. Awesome. Thanks, Moa. Good luck again this weekend. You can ask that. Your chance to ask what it's really like to be an elite athlete on Can You Be More Pacific? This is one of our favourite segments because it's an opportunity for anyone out there that's listening to ask a current or a former athlete uh, any question that's been on their mind about what it is like to be an athlete or the world of sport. And this week, our question comes from Tanya. She's uh, from Melbourne. And the question is, uh, how much should off-field behaviour affect selection? Now, this we see this happen quite often throughout any season of, of team sports, uh, actually uh, individual sports as well, in a way, even though they don't get selected in a team. But... Um, yeah, just when there's an indiscretion off the field, should it affect the way uh, a team is selected? What do you think, Kennedy? I am having to back this being an athlete myself. You know, if I see players 
you know, bringing the game into disrepute and, you know, mucking up, not training and focusing and just bringing all that outside noise into a team, it affects the team. And that's what you don't want. For an example, an athlete that's, you know, going out, playing up in the clubs, you know, mucking around, bringing the game into disrepute should be disciplined in the team environment because you don't want to bring that rubbish and noise and drama into it because it does affect the team and then it affects the culture and it's like, hey, why aren't you getting disciplined when I'm trying to put in and, you know, do the best for my team because team first mentality. So, yeah, I reckon I agree with this question, like not not question, statement. Yeah, it's a, it's a good point and you're right. I think it should, if, if you've got team values and there's a couple of things, there's, there's team values and your team culture that you mentioned, there's like sort of acceptable behaviours that you, you live by, I guess, as a group, but there's also then to your point about disrepute for the game, your contractual obligation. So under your contract, you can't do things that would make the game look bad. So if you do do that, then by all means, you should not be selected. You probably get suspended, as we've seen on a number of occasions with players in various sports. But I, I think a really big point is about that team that team side of things. Like if it affects your group, then you should hold true to what your values are. And, and if a player shouldn't be selected based on what they're doing off the field, then definitely um, you know stick with that. I've had teammates in the past that have gone out drinking, say, when they're injured, gone out for a drink and tried to you know keep it under, under the lid. But obviously... Most things get out. They always do. People, people got phones. Talk. People talk. <laughs> and you hear about it and then the player gets dropped and he might be the best player in the team. I've seen the best player in the team be dropped for, for that reason, for drinking while they're injured. And they don't take it very well. It, it might ruffle their, their feathers. But if you've got accepted behaviours that you stick by, then you have to go with that. I guess it's how the, co- uh, the coaches and staff handle it too and the higher up and who's selecting the team. They've got to nip it in the you know butt straight away. They yeah. can't let you know it fester and... You know, if it was a leader and the young ones watching it, it's not a setting a good example as well. Yeah, a hundred percent. I've actually been in a side where, like the senior group, we had to drop a player for um for poor behaviour. The coach asked us to drop the player for poor poor behaviour, which at the time, like you think, well, hang on, you're the you're the leader, and we don't want to like get offside with our teammate by doing this. But also. I know that if I did something wrong and my teammates took issue with it and let me know about it, I'd feel a lot worse because that's my teammates and I never want to let them down. So I think kind of the the, the outcome of that is not too bad for what you get as a response from the player. That's interesting well. take on that. I, I, I actually probably would rather my my player come to me instead of the coach because like, it's, it's a lot more serious when your player comes to you and, you know, disciplines you. Yeah, it hurts you, right? Like, you go, oh, no, I, don't let, I don't let my teammate down. Like. Coaches up there, sometimes you just go, oh, like, yeah, yeah. you cop like, it from the <laughs> coach. But like, yeah. So Tanya, it's a really good question. I think we both agree that um, off-field behavior can certainly affect your on-field selection and uh, should be always taken into account. If you've got a question, you can ask us anything. Send it to our DMs on Instagram at Dean Halatau and at Kennedy Charrington. Can you be more Pacific? On ABC Radio Australia. Oh my God. Woo! You're with Kennedy and Dean talking all things sport across the Pacific. Don't go anywhere. We've still got our favourite socials and we'll be tackling the tough headlines in the ruck. But coming up next, our reporter on ground, Peter Pasal. Now, for Island Life this week, we caught up with Peter Pasal, our man on the ground in Papua New Guinea. This was before Sarah headed off for Wallaroos Camp. This week for Island Life, we're joined by our wonderful reporter on the ground, Peter Pasal. Peter, welcome. Hey, Dean. Hey, uh, Sarah. How are you guys going? Very, very good. Look, there's been so much that you've covered for us throughout this year, and thank you so much for all the stories that you've shared with us. But one team in particular that has really taken our attention is the PNG Hunters who competed in QRL. Very up-down season for them. What was your take on on, on their, their how they fared this year? Yeah, the, with the Hunters, I thought they were going to struggle this year anyway, to be honest. Um, they had a lot of uh, people who uh, weren't picked for this uh, season. There were some key players that uh, didn't get selected for one reason or another, and they pretty much started with a with a fresh squad. So they were pretty much starting from, you know, from the drawing board, so to speak. And uh, they did well enough to, you know, not finish at the bottom of the ladder, so... Quite a lot of people thought they would they wouldn't do too well this year, but um, we managed to finish twelfth. Um, last year was tenth, so a couple of notches down. But uh, I think we finished strongly. Got a win at the end there at home, 
And uh, I think before that, we beat the uh, team that was on top, the Burley Bears. So a good season in terms of uh, managing living down in Australia and uh, organizing, you know, Matt Church, the coach, organizing the team and, and the players. A lot of them were new. Some of them hadn't even traveled out, out of PNG. So, you know, re- real adjustment they had to make. But uh, all in all, I'd give them a, a B for this season. A B. A B is a fair, uh, a fair assessment. Yeah, you're right. It, it is a, a logistical challenge, I guess. And um, one of those uh, big challenges was the, the last home game. It almost didn't happen, but um, gladly it, it got away. And, and how was that, uh, the last game there? What was the experience like on the ground? Yeah, well, um, heading in, we all thought the game was going to go ahead as planned. But I think uh, two days before, I think it was on a Saturday, so uh, I think on Thursday, Thursday or Wednesday, um, the Mackay Cutters, the team that's supposed to come up and play us, uh, they said they didn't want to come up because of safety reasons and, and things like that. So we thought, okay, we're going to forfeit that match. It's disappointing. Uh, a lot of people had bought tickets to go to the Santos National Football Stadium, and, and it, it looked like it wasn't going to happen. But apparently the uh, QRL, as well as your Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese, got involved and uh, managed to convince the cutters to, you know, be good sports, just come up. It's only 80 minutes. Uh, and they came up and it was a pretty good uh, match. It, it was it, it was an even tussle, uh, but uh, Hunters managed to, it was a, I, I, can't, I can't say fairy tale ending, but at least we won that last match. 30 points, 28, uh, gave the fans something to cheer about, you know, to end the season. And they actually won that match in the very, I think the 78th minute was, when we managed to get ahead. So all things uh, taken into account, it was a good end. And also thank you to the Australian government for uh, coming in. Yes, well said. We know that PNG is rugby league mad. So when the Hunters came back to have that last game, was there a huge draw in, in, in terms of the crowd? Well, uh, because of what happened before, the, the two days before, uh, when they said that the match was, wasn't going to go ahead as planned, I think quite a few people stayed away uh, from the stadium, but on TV, pretty much everybody um, uh, were watching the, watching the match. So uh, the viewership was great from that uh, perspective. And at the at the ground, I think it, they started filing in when they realized the game was on. So um, everybody, it was they made a lot of noise. It was probably about two, three thousand people there. They made they made enough noise to sound like it was a, you know a packed menu. So. Uh, it was good. I think the players were just happy to be back home and playing, uh, you know, in front of their fans, you know, familiar faces, things like that. So, yeah, it was a good performance and uh, the crowd did, did their job. That's great to hear. And with football, we know that that has been on the rise in PNG, but particularly for the women's side, Nicola Demain, she wasn't offered another contract. What was your, what, what do you make of that whole situation? Yeah, it was a little controversial. Um, the PNG Football Association, um, decided not to uh, renew Nicola Demain's contract. So she was going to end her uh, contract, uh, I think, in October or November. Uh, and they said, we're going to look for someone new, which didn't make sense because she'd taken the team uh, this far. They won the uh, tournament there in Fiji. They beat uh, Fiji in the final, which was a competitive match. And they also beat a very good Samoan team and also... I think Tahiti as well, and some of the other Melanesian teams. Um, so the, the, the team played well. They performed well. They did what they were expected to do, what we all hoped they would do. And uh, for the coach to be told that she would not be uh, required any longer was uh, kind of like a kick in the guts, not just for the players, but I think for the, most of the fans who voiced their um, opinions on you know, social media and things like that. Uh, but PNGFA are sticking to their guns and they're going to have a replacement. Unfortunately, Nicola will not be with the uh, squad going forward. So she's she's gone completely, not even a, an assistant role or anything like that. It's just she's, she's well, going to go. It's going to be a bit difficult if you if you know that, you know, you're going to be playing second fiddle when you yeah, were true. You know, head coach, at, you know, initially. And then uh, she did suggest that if they wanted someone with a little bit more technical expertise, maybe some experience to get the girls to the next level. Uh, she said they should have brought someone in to assist her, but they want someone completely new. So 
I think uh, I think that's the last we'll be seeing of Nicola, which is unfortunate. Uh, she's developed a good relationship with the girls, and uh, they're also appreciative of her, her efforts bringing her this, bringing them this far. So I don't know how it's going to turn out. We'll, we'll have to wait and see when they go and play in the uh, the next stage of the World Cup qualifiers, um, which is I think February next year. So we'll have to see what PNGFA does in terms of the person they bring in to replace Nicola, and whether the results can speak for themselves. So yeah. We'll stay tuned for uh, for what comes up with that. Now, obviously, winter sports are coming to an end. What's uh, what's on the horizon for, for sports in Papua New Guinea? Well, in Papua New Guinea, we've got the Digicel Cup finals, which are into the second week. And it kind of follows the, um, the, NRL, the QRL that, that season. So it'll end around, uh, I think, at the end of this month, which is around the same time as the NRL grand final. And uh, apart from that, we got uh, we've got the PNG games that were supposed to be held uh, from November, late November to early December, but that's been uh, deferred to next year around uh, June, July, and because of uh, several factors, uh, the elections that uh, took place um, in June, and that was uh, that had the country pretty much fully focused on that. So. Um, the host province also had some issues with uh, uh, election violence, which you know wasn't uh, wasn't a good thing. And also, um, we also had the venues; some of the venues weren't prepared yet. So it's kind of been tumultuous over the last three years. They should have had this, I think, two years ago. It didn't eventuate, and now we've had more setbacks. COVID was one of them, and um, it's going to be held next year. And it won't be in Southern Islands, where it was uh, originally intended to be. It's going to be in um, in the capital, Port Mosby, where they have the venues and everything ready to go. Peter, just looking at um, sport at a glance, like looking at the whole year that's gone by so far, what has been your, you know, your, your highlights so far? Uh, well, uh, I think the highlights for, for, uh, for me has been, uh, I think, watching our athletes perform at the Commonwealth Games. Uh, we had a small team over there in Birmingham, uh, and they uh, they did they did reasonably well. We had one silver medal winner, which was in the uh, in the weightlifting. Maria Baru got a silver medal, so that was a plus. Uh, Dika Toe, who was I think in her fourth fourth or fifth, I think one of those um, Commonwealth Games, she uh, missed out on a medal, but she was pretty competitive uh, for someone who's you know. Uh, Representing the country for so long uh, across many uh, world events, and also the fact that she's, I think, had three kids in that time also. So uh, she's been very committed, and uh, I think that was the her last Commonwealth Games. She will, however, go around for uh, uh, the Pacific Games next year, and then I think she'll probably retire after that. I'm not sure. I, I can't say anything for certain with, with Digger. She might just keep going until she's gone past 40. Who knows? Um, but uh, the highlight that was one of the highlights. Um, the other one was. Obviously, the digital cup. Uh, we had we had uh, rugby league. It was the only thing that was holding us sports fans here in PNG uh, together. Uh, apart from obviously watching the NRL and all the other international sports that you get on TV, but locally it was uh, the digital cup that was uh, keeping sports, uh, you know, up and running and people uh, watching that on uh, live. Um, and other than that, there was pretty much a, a quiet year because we had this election. Uh, that was you know, really the focus for the entire country. And boy, was it pretty hectic. So you know, if you're talking about sports contests, I think the elections can probably be <laughs> uh, pretty intense one as well. So, yeah. Well, Peter, thank you very much for, for the wrap on, uh, on the year so far. And uh, we look forward to hearing more from you. You've been uh, a wonderful addition to our show. We've enjoyed uh, having your weekly wraps or the, the interviews that do come out of Papua New Guinea. Uh, thanks again for your time today, and uh, we look forward to hearing the results from the Digicel Cup as well. Cheers. Cheers, Dean. Cheers, Sarah. It's always lovely hearing from Peter. Thanks, Peter. Can you be more Pacific? Keeping it social. This week was a pretty exciting week with social media for me. There was a lot of ups and downs and just, yeah, it was a lot going on. But for me, it was the Latrell Mitchell post that was posted by NRL9. And basically he's getting a post-match interview by Freddie himself. And he just is taking in everything. Um, a lot of emotion. This is how it went. I know from the sideline, I don't think I've ever quite heard so much noise in the stadium. Was it like that on the field? 
Yeah, <laughs> ten times, man. It's um, it's a ripper tonight. I'm so glad that the South fans turned up and and give it back and um and supported us all the way. That's how it's been all year. I just got goosebumps then. I I got goosebumps too. And you know that kid's been through a lot, uh, a lot of adversity. So that game just summed it up for me. Yeah, so much emotion, so much pride in that jersey. And he deserves it all. Yeah, it was it was really nice and uh, well done by Freddie Fitler too. Like he backed off and gave him the space, space he needed, and uh, it was uh, a really cool moment. Now I went to Instagram as well, <laughs> which is the only thing I really go to. I go to Twitter sometimes. I do have um, Bebo and stuff as well, but I don't. What is that still around now? <laughs> my um, my post this week comes from David Mead, former well, not former. He's he's still um, signed, but uh, David Mead, Broncos player, um, Papua New Guinea great. Like he's played so many Test matches for for PNG, the Kummels. Um, and this one is he's gone back to PNG on a little trip with his family. I'm not too sure what he was over there for, but he's been posting um, over the last two weeks just different things from his trip to PNG. And I like this one. It was a couple of days ago he uploaded it, and it was um, just him in a village with a bunch of school kids, and he turns his camera just to show the kids, and they all just rise up for his camera, which is pretty cool. Basically just saying how excited the kids get just just to see him. All it is is just a post on his thing, but they were so excited. Yeah, you know, people from PNG would look up so much to him and just be like in awe of him. So a special moment for those kids. Yeah, very special. If you want to go to his Instagram page, at davidmead411, and check out all the, the, the pictures he's got. He's actually got some good content, David, so worth a follow. In the run. Tackling the tough headlines in sport... On Can You Be More Pacific? A bit of a mixture this week, as always. Some tough headlines, but some positive headlines as well. And we'll start with Ruby Tui, who is uh, rugby great for New Zealand. She's uh, released a book called Straight Up. Yeah, I can't wait to read it. I know G-Fizz at um, Paris already uh, locked and loaded to bring some to training. And I can't wait to read it because she's injured some trauma and then just turning her whole lifestyle around and becoming one of the you know faces of New Zealand Rugby Union. Yeah, she's so infectious with her personality. Um, we've seen her a number of times um, entertaining people and she does such a good job at it. But um, just reading some of her comments, it's a pretty open uh, and honest uh, look into her life and, and what brought it to be what she is now. So you're right, it, it would be a great read to, to see how Ruby Tui evolved to, to being Ruby Tui the superstar. Adi Savia. Last week, it was announced that Artie Sevilla will not be travelling to Australia for the Bledders, though, ahead of his third child that's just been born. Congratulations, Artie. I actually seen the boys last Friday at the airport, and yeah, I forgot Artie wasn't there. So the All Blacks take on the Wallabies tonight. I'm actually a Wallabies fan, so it's going to be a, a bit of a... I reckon it's going to be a great game, and with Artie not there, obviously, sucks to be New Zealand, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I <laughs> Unfortunate for New Zealand, but I am back in Australia this one, Dean. Oh, I was interested to see who you might support on this one, but it's going to be a great series. The Bledisloe, Artie Savar, um, obviously big, big reason to, to miss out on, on playing in the Bledisloe, but one that um, is being supported by um, New Zealand rugby and by his teammates. And so congratulations to Artie, as you say. Um, looking forward to seeing what happens with the Bledisloe. Go yeah. to All Blacks. I just, I just think it's underrated, though, that, um, <laughs> you know, People putting family first before footing. I think people forget that we're human beings. So I find that really important. And him as the captain, oh, one of the captains, yeah, it's great. Quick story. <laughs> one, one, this question got asked to a bunch of boys when I was still playing. <coughs> All the young boys coach and that, they, the coach said, uh, the boys asked myself, a couple of the older boys that were parents, would you rather play in the grand final or be there for the birth of your child? And I said straight up, be there for the birth of my child because there's no better experience in, that I've had. Like winning grand final was great and all the young boys couldn't, they couldn't understand. Like, nah, you got to win a grand final. Maybe because I'd already won one. I was like, eh, sweet, I've already won. Don't worry about it. But hands down, be there for the birth of my child. Yeah, because after footy, there's, there's you know. Family's there. Family's there. Family yeah. are the ones you're going to, that's your backbone. So, you know, those intimate relationships with your children it starts from there and then you can never create those again. So hundred percent. I back that. Well done, Artie. Uh, Probably some negative news now, the Latrell Mitchell booing, uh, which occurred in round 25 at the SFS when the Rabbitohs took on uh, the Roosters and there was expectation it was going to happen again in the the week one um, elimination final. And there was definitely elements of that going on. 
I love Latrell. Anyone that asks me, I love Latrell. I love the person he is. I love what he stands for, what he does for the community. And he doesn't deserve this. I know there's adversities, there's highs and lows of career, but I don't think he deserves this. But he's bounced back 100%. And the SFS, again, the other night, it just showed that, you know, um, haters can do whatever they want, but they can't They can't change Latrell. He's, yeah. He, he gave the old rush a couple of times to the crowd, which was pretty cool. And um, I guess it's one thing, like he, he play, obviously played with the, the Roosters, won premierships with the Roosters. So he was uh, at one point for those fans, someone that they look to to cheer on and support. He crosses to their rivals, the Rabbitohs. There's always going to be that that little bit of like hatred. And I've seen it happen a number of times before with players that go back to versus their old club. The fans just boo just because. And He's he's a pretty prominent guy in the game, and he's very talented, and he and he plays the game well. So, I get that fans uh, fans are passionate and they they want to boo, but um, I think there's probably too much sometimes can go across the line, I guess. But um, he took it well, and he responded with a strong performance. Yeah, I think it just motivates him to be that that extraordinary player. You know, the other night he kicks from five from five, scores a try, one try assist, and runs a muck and won the game. Yeah. Latrell has the last laugh. Our last piece for In the Ruck. Vote for Kennedy. Kennedy Cherrington, congratulations. You're, you've made the inaugural uh, community team of the year for the NRLW and uh, you're up for the Veronica, Veronica White Award, which is a huge deal. Thank you, guys. It's, it's great to be acknowledged by my club and honoured to be honoured by my club because it's, you know, only one female and male from um, every club. So thank you, Para. Um, just being recognised for my community work is pretty cool, but, you know, it doesn't undermine anyone else's uh, community work that they're also doing in the game. So I love to see it. It's, yeah, it's just sometimes really good to be acknowledged at the end of the day. Well, congratulations. And, um, you know, we hear often about the impact that players have on communities when they, they do engage in community activities. So for you to take time out of your own uh, days to give back is a big thing. And, um, yeah, well done. We'll be voting for you. Actually, I've already voted. So oh, Thank you. If you want to vote, actually, guys, go to com, then to community and then towards, and then you can have a scroll around for the other nominees. But um, please vote for me. <laughs> ABC Radio Australia. Can you be more Pacific? Unfortunately, that's all we have time for. If you missed the show or you just want to listen to the magic again, it'll be replayed on Friday, 2pm PNG time. You can find all our episodes on the Radio Australia website or wherever you listen to your podcasts. It's all here. Bye. Can you be more Pacific? An ABC sport production for ABC Radio Australia. This program has been funded by the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade.